This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. As we all know, Shavasa Batamos begins what's known as the Yumei Ben Amitsarim, known as the Three Weeks. And it all starts today. This is the uh, kickoff, so to say, of the season of Avelos. This is the time where we focus predominantly on morning debates on Mikdash. We should really be doing it every day, but at least Halavai, for these three weeks, we change our focus and we start to begin to think, to ponder a little bit about the Beis Hamikdash, its loss, and the Avelis that we're supposed to be experiencing. Mishnah tells us in Mesechus Tainis, in the fourth parak, famously what happened on us on Shiva Asabatamas, and the Mishnah tells us five things. We'll go through a little bit trying to understand some of the five things, then ultimately we'll try to get into some of the halachas that pertain to the three weeks, what we call the Bein HaMitzarim. The list of the Mishnah is unique and interesting, and there's definitely a cheshman to why the Mishnah lists the five things that it does. And the way we have it in the Mishnah, the order of the five things that took place in Shavas Batamuz, the first one says the Mishnah, Dav Chavav and Tainis, the Luchas were broken. That's that's first thing. Next thing on the list says the Mishnah, Batal Atomit. They stopped the Karmic Talmud from being brought. Third thing on the list, Hufka, here. The city was broken through. The Sarf Apostomus says Hatayra. Apostomus burned the Tayra. We'll have to see what does that mean, the Tayra. And lastly, it says in the Mishnah, Vehemit Selem Heichel. We'll have to see what that means. Someone put up a Selem, someone put up an Avedizara in the Heichel. So let's try to go piece by piece to understand what happened in this Mishnah. What are we commemorating on this day? And why does this kick off, so to say, the Imei Bein Hamitzarim? It's interesting, if you look in the Rishayim, Mechaber brings it down already. In Rishayim, they had some interesting practices during the three weeks. There's one sheet of Rishayim that holds the entire three weeks they used to fast. They used to fast for the entire three weeks. Starting from Mishavah Zbatamas, they fast every day until Tisha B'av. It's a great diet, but I don't think it's very practical for most of us. Then the Shulchan Aruch brings down another sheet that's found in Rishayim, that they didn't eat meat. They didn't eat basar starting from Mishavah Zbatamas until Tisha B'av. Those practices did not really make it so famously in our halacha, but we'll see for Ashkenazim, there are some halachas that do begin already from Shivasa Batamas. What exactly took place that the Mishnah is refo- focusing on? So Nishtabra Luchas is easy. The Gemara makes a cheshbin. How do we know the Luchas were broken on Shivasa Batamas? So the Mishnah tells us, the Gemara works out the details of how do we know it happened on Shivasa Batamas. We can all understand, Shivasa Luchas was a very big deal. It was a very big tragedy. Even though one could argue we had a second Luchas, and that's always the debate you have to have when you say, well, we had a second base of Migdash also. Does the second base of Migdash replace all of the Tsaris of the first base of Migdash? Or do we say no? Even with the second base of Migdash, we still, it's not the same. We know it's famous that the second base of Migdash was not the same as the first base of Migdash. So we have to address that as well. But it's also interesting about the Shemir Saluchas. Not, now is not the place to talk about it. But Rashi quotes in, in the end of his Sabrach, the Moshe Rabbeinu, whose claim to fame was that he broke the Luchas. That was his claim to fame. Now, if you had to write a top five things that Moshe Rabbeinu accomplished in his life, I don't think you'd put Shavir Saluchas on that top five list. He did it. He had to do it. But that's not his claim to fame. Thank you for breaking it. Why is that top five? So that's something we have to discuss maybe a different time. But what's the next thing on the list the Mishnah tells us? Bottle HaTomit. They stopped bringing the carbon Tomit. So Rashi learns on the Mishnah. Rashi says, Why? Rashi says over here that he should gazra hamalchus gzeira melahakrivoy. That the bottle atomit was an act of gzeira, a government, somebody oppressing the Jewish people, 
consciously told the Jewish people, you're not going to be allowed to bring the Karmat Tamin anymore. That's how Rashi learns the Gemara. The Gevur Sari, the Shagasaya, in his Sefer Masechah's Tainus, points out that according to Rashi, it comes out that what time, period, what time frame period are we talking about? Is it by Yisrishin or is it by Yisheni? As we go through the Mishnah, we'll see it jumps back and forth a little bit. So the Gevur Sari, the Shagasaya, writes in his Sefer, so what are we talking about? He says, according to Rashi, this is by Yisheni. We're jumping out of Bayashen. This happened during Bayashen. Whatever you were to take a look in the Rambam and his Yad HaChazaka, Hilchas Tainis, the Rambam is actually very lengthy. Slightly atypical of the Rambam and Yad HaChazaka. He gives you a lot of the history behind the fast days. And some Achrenim even ask, why is the Rambam doing that? That's not his job. It's not his purpose. He's supposed to just tell us the facts and tell us the halachas. But when the Rambam goes on to discuss this Mishnah and Hilchas Tainis, the Rambam writes, no, this took place during Bayis Rishon. So it's like the Rambam. A bottle of Tomer was during Bayis Rishon. The question that many, many Mephorishim deal with is what was so special about bottle carbon atomic? Mestama, if they stopped us from bringing a lot of carbonus, because many people assume that there was a point in time where we just had a shortage of animals. So a shortage of animals, you can't bring the carbon tomid, you can't bring a chatos, you can't bring anything. So why the emphasis on the carbon tomid? So if you remember, I think in the slichas this morning, we talked, it talked about the bitl of all the carbonus, not just the carbon tomid. So why does the Mishnah emphasize and perhaps focus more on the carbon tomid? So there's many pshatim given about the chashivas of the carbon tomid. One of the beauties of the carbon tomid was its consistency. Judaism is special because it's consistency. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves consistency. Every day, every day, you never miss. That's the beauty of the Zafiyami. You never miss every day, every day, every day. So that's one of the bylaws of the carbon tomid. The carbon tomid had a consistency element that was very special in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when we stop bringing that consistent carbon, that's when the enemies really stu- stuck it to us, so to say. There are other pshatim about the carbon tomid. The carbon tomid was Klai Yisrael's carbon. Right? The carbon tomid was brought on behalf of all of Klai Yisrael. What was unique about the carbon tomid was nothing could happen before the tom- carbon tomid, and nothing was allowed to happen after the carbon tomid. Why? Because everything has to be surrounded by Klai Yisrael. Carbon tomid represented all of Klai Yisrael, all walks of life, all different types of Jews, all different backgrounds, they were all included in the Karmat So Karmat really summed up Jewish unity. And that's why the Karmat was such a special carbon, and its absence is a reason for Shavasa Batamas. Then we come to the next thing in the list, is Hofka Ha'ir. The city was broken through. So the Gemara already has a problem with this. The Gemara asks, it's just not true. The Gemara says, if you open up the Navi, you read in the Navi, the Navi says, the city was breached on the ninth day of Tammuz. So why are you telling me it's on Shavasa Batamas? Gemara asks this kasha, Mishachas Tainis, the Gemara asks right away. There seems to be a discrepancy between the Mishnah and the Pasuk and the Navi. Pasuk and the Navi says that the city was broken on the ninth. So the Bavli by Austin Tainis answers, Kamber Rishon and Kamber Shniya. There are two Batam Mikdashas. The first base of Mikdash was Taka the ninth. That's the way it's recorded in the Navi. But Shavasa Batamas was for the second base of Mikdash. That's how the Bavli <coughs> answers this kasha. That the Taka two times the story happened. It was twice Hufkoir. Bayis Rishon was the ninth. Bayis Shani was the seventeenth. So the Rishonim all have kashas. All the Rishonim. So why don't we fast the ninth also? Meaning, if we have two fast days, and it, if you look in the Ran and Antinus, the Ran in Rosh Hashanah, he makes it even starker. One fast is in the Navi. The Navi says the ninth. So how can we just like throw that out the window and just fast Shavasa? How can we just completely disregard what the Navi mentions when the Navi says there's a fast of the ninth? Or the way other Rishonim ask it. <clears throat> Let's fast both days. Let's commemorate both of these sad stories of Hofkayir. So the Rishayim write, no, we can't fast twice. It's too hard. We can barely make it through one of these. 
So the Rishonim write, it's a tircha, it's too much, and we're never going to be matriach the people to fast two days in a month, which in, which, <coughs> with such proximity. So people ask, Aitzim G'dayi and Yom Kippur. The answer is, Yom Kippur is from the Torah, that, that's A. And B, Aitzim G'dayi is, is on from the Navi. So if you have a Pasuk in the Chumash and the Navi, that you got to deal with. But for Chazal to tell us to fast two days, we're not going to do Interestingly, the Magna Avram writes that a Baal Nefesh should be Machmer. Baal Nefesh should be Machmer that he should fast on the ninth day of Thomas. How many people here fast on the ninth day of Thomas? Okay. I guess here no one holds their Baal Nefesh. Okay. Or everyone's so, such a, such a, everyone is so modest, they don't want to admit that they did it. But uh, most of us don't fast on the ninth of Thomas. But the Magna Avram writes, Baal Nefesh should be Machmer. What's the Svara? The Svara is that really we should fast the ninth day, but it's not cut out for everyone. But if you're cut above everyone, then you should. It's interesting the Mishnah doesn't bring down this Chumr of the Magad Avram. It's interesting. The Mishnah doesn't bring it down. So I guess it could be the Mishnah felt that none of us are on that Madrega. But we'll see, based on Yerushalmi, that there might be no reason for this Chumr of the Magad Avram anyways. But according to the Bavli, Yehufka here happened by Yisrishin on Tess and by Yishen and Shavas. But there's no Yerushalmi. Unbelievable Yerushalmi. Taisus and Rosh Hashanah quotes this Yerushalmi. Many Yerushalmi quote the Yerushalmi. The Yerushalmi says not so. Yushalmi says, Hufka here happened on Shavas and Betamas in both Bata Mikdashis. Bayis Rishen and Bayis Shein. Ay, the Novi. Typo. Fake news. It didn't happen. They got it wrong. They thought it was the ninth day of Tammuz, but it was really the 17th. And because they got it wrong, they said, we'll leave it the way it is. Unbelievable. Apostle Ganavi. Apostle Ganavi, that's factually, historically incorrect according to Yushalmi. It's an unbelievable thing. And many Rishayim quote this Yushalmi. So Taishas quotes this Yushalmi, and therefore says to Yushalmi, no, Hufka here happened, Taka on Shavas and Tamas. Bein b'bayis Rishayim, bein b'bayis Shein. Either Pasuganavi, the whole thing was a mistake. So the Chayra, if you hold like this Yushalmi, then there really is no reason to fast on the ninth day of Tamas. What are you fasting for? Nothing happened. Bishlam, if you hold like the Bavli, so ninth day of Tamas is a Siba to fast, as is the Shiva Asr. So we pick one of the two, but Zakta Magad Avram, no. If you have Baal Nefesh, it's Kedai to fast both. But the Magad Avram, it's not my Kiddush, the Magad Avram speaks this out. Says the Magad Avram, but if you hold like the Yushalmi, then there's absolutely no reason to fast on the ninth day of Tamas. So now maybe that's Pshad and Klai Yisrael. The reason why Klai Yisrael doesn't fast on the ninth day of Tamas is because we're all Yushalmi Nicks. We all hold like Yushalmi. And according to Yushalmi, there's absolutely no Mokum L'Chumra to fast on the ninth day of Thomas. <clears throat> the problem that Yushalmi is going to have is not for tonight, but there's a Gemara, a very important Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. A very, very important Gemara. We talked a little bit about last Sunday, this past Sunday, where the Gemara basically sets up the equation that the fast days of today are really, we're up to us to decide if we want to opt in or opt out. The Gemara says the only time the fasts are mandatory is if there's Ein Shalim, or Shmat. The Gaim are trying to kill us, the Gaim are trying to oppress us, then the fast days are mandatory. But if, it's, if, the, if there's no peace, there's an Ein Shalim, which is a Machloik Yerushalayim, and the Gaim are not oppressing us, then it's up to us to fast. So how many of us opt out for Shavas of Atamas? We all opt out, right? No one's opting in. So why do we all fast? So the Yerushalayim say, no, there was a, a communal agreement that we're at least going to fast. So the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah has a Kasha. So the Gemara says, why don't we do the same thing for Tisha why don't we say Tishabov? We have the same option to opt in, opt out. The Gemara says, no, you can't. Because Tishabov is hochfala hatzaris. Tishabov is unique because it was double the tzaris. So Toysvis in Rosh Hashanah right away asks, so is Shavasa Batamas? Five things happened on Tishabov, five things happened on Shavasa Batamas. So why isn't Shavasa Batamas hochfala hatzaris? So the way Toysvis learns in Rosh Hashanah, hochfala hatzaris means the same tzara was repeated twice. 
What's the same tzara? Chorben bayis. Chorben bayis. Rishon was on test. Chorben bayis. Sheni was on test. That you don't have by Shivas of Thomas. Shivas of Thomas, you don't have the same thing twice. You have hufka here, but not the same day. But if you hold like the Yushalmi, that hufka here happened on the 17th twice, then the it should be. So that's something you have to work out when you learn the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. What's the next thing on the list in the Mishnah? Saraf apostomus es hatayra. So right away, you, you notice the language of the Mishnah is, Saraf apostomus es hatayra. The tayra. What's the tayra? The hey hayidiyah. So if you take a look in the Mifarshi HaMishnayis, they point out. So first of all, when was apostomus? He was during Bayashen. He was a Greek general during Bayashen. So what does it mean he burned the tayra? So the Mefarshim learned he burned the Torah that we had from Ezra. We had a Torah that was authentic, dating back to the times of Ezra. That Sefer Torah, Apostolim, is burnt. And why is this such a tzara? Nebuch, we talked about 1242 book burnings and other burnings, so why was this such a tzara? Because now we lost the Messiah of what does it mean to have an authentic Sefer Torah from the times of Ezra. So therefore, right, so that's Apostolim has hot Torah. Others learned, no, he wanted to burn every Torah he can get his hands on, Apostolim wanted to destroy. Then we have the last case in the Mishnah, What's the last case in the Mishnah? Vehemid Selem Behechal. Who's Vehemid Selem Behechal? So there's also Shaila had to be Gary's over here. Vehemid or Vehumad. So Rashi learns this was Menashe. Melech Menashe, one of ours. Melech Menashe, doing Baisrish, and he put up the Selem in the Hecha. If you look in the Yushalmi, Yushalmi doesn't learn that way. Yushalmi nor does the Rambam. They learned that Vehemid Selem Behechal was not Menashe, but it was a posthumous Russia. The same Russia who burned the Torah was also Maimet Salem Behecha. Those are the five things that took place. It's interesting, if you look in the Gevur Sari, the Shagasai Sefer, he asks an interesting Kasha. He says, what exactly is the Hemshech over here of these five things? What's the order of the Mishnah? So most of us say the order is chronological. Right? Shri Yosaluchas is definitely first. That's not disputed. And then what goes next? So again, what, how does the order flow? But he points out, if you go like Rashi, that Selem Behecha was Menashe. Menashe was Baisirishan. That's the last thing in the Mishnah. It's so out of order. How do you make sense of the order of the Mishnah? So the Shagasari says an unbelievable Chiddush, which he himself says the Chiddush and he rejects it. But he at least says it. He says maybe the order of the Mishnah is not chronological. The order of the Mishnah is least severe to most severe. So the Shagasari says if you go like that, that means what's the least severe of the five? Shvir Saluchas. The least severe. And what's the most severe? So the Shagasai writes, he says, it comes out according to my Cheshbin, that Shvir Saluchas was Kal Shebekal. That's hard for us to imagine that the Shvir Saluchas was the, the least tragedy of all the five. No, you'll tell me, because the Shvir Saluchas were real, we got a second, you'll tell me all the Torah. But at the end of the day, the Shagasai had such a shot. He wants to tell you that maybe the Seder in the Mishnah is least Chamer to most Chamer. Which means from all of these five events, what was the worst event? That Selim Behecha. That was the worst event at least according to Rashi. An unbelievable pshat from the Shagasari and how to learn taka pshat in, in, this, uh, in this Mishnah. Lemaise, if you look at the list of the Mishnah, one of them seems not to fit. One of them definitely seems not to fit. Which one seems not to fit? Nishtab Raluchas. What does Nishtab Raluchas have to do with the Beis HaMikdash? I understand Batal HaTamid. Okay, Apostomus Saif HaSatayra maybe doesn't fit so well. Salam Behechal makes sense. Batal HaTamid. Where does, where does the Nishtab Rahaluchas work its way into the list over here? So the the answer is Pashat. The Maran Ervin tells us that if not for Shvir Saluchas, the game would never be able to touch us. So let's talk to Gemara. If not for Shvir Saluchas, we'd be untouchable. So then the it's beautiful, the Mishnah. Thing number one you have to know is Shvir Saluchas. 
Now, because there was a Shvi'as Aluchas, now everything else can happen. Everything else is a, a Toitzah, a byproduct from the fact that we had Shvi'as Aluchas. Now that we had Shvi'as Aluchas, now we are susceptible to attacks from the Goyim, Mela, this, that, that, and the other thing happened. So what exactly is also during the three weeks, what we call the Meir HaMitzarim? Stam the Mishnah needs Hezber anyways. I think we've spoken about this in other years. What exactly is the significance for us to know these five things that happened on Shavas Batamas and the five things that happened on Tishavas? Why is that relevant? It's not the Pshat because of these five things. That's why we have Shavas Batamas, Because look at Asar Batavis. Asar Batavis had one tragedy, we make it a fast day. Sam Gadai had one tragedy, he gets a fast day. You can tell me what? Shavas Batamas, these five tragedies to become a fast day? Why? Why did, why, why did the other fast days become a fast day so much easier? So the Mahalach that some, some Achorina point out is that the Mishnah is not here to be Mazber. Why Shivas Batamas is Shivas Batamas? The Mishnah is here to be Mazber, the Hemshech from Shivas Batamas to Tishabah. But we call it the Bein HaMetzarim. What triggered the Bein HaMetzarim were these five Ma'arois. And what finishes it with Tishabah is the five things that happen on Tishabah. It's a Hemshech between this Zman, this period of time, known as the Bein HaMetzarim. So what, what's Taka Osir? So this is actually interesting. In these areas of Allah, we find a very clear di- distinction between Ashkenazim and Sfardim. Very clear. Right? Some areas of Allah, it's more clear. Some areas, it's less. Here, it's it's bodic, it's butter. The, the, the difference between Sfardim and Ashkenazim. Very clear. To the point that even is going to present the Ashayla, Achrenim talk about, well, there'll be a problem if you have Sfardim and Ashkenazim together of, of Agudas, Agudas. But it's a very clear set differences between Ashkenazim and Sfardim. And the Svardim are by far more mekel than the Ashkenazim. By far. The Ashkenazim are way more machmir when it comes to these halachas, and the Svardim are much more mekel. Alpidir the Mishnah, look up the Mishnah in the end of Sechas Tainis, the Gemara of the end of Sechas Tainis, there really is no such thing called Bein HaMetzorim from a halachic standpoint. Nothing is really prohibited during the three weeks. Although the Shulchan Aruch writes, that you shouldn't say Shechiyonu during the three weeks. Toiv lizor meloim Shechiyonu Bein HaMetzorim, that's even for Svardim. So that's a kasha. Why is Shekhyanu different than all the other dinim? But what is the dinim that we Ashkenazim keep? So the first big one, or the most, perhaps, the most obvious one, or the, most, the one that affects most people, is Tispiris. Shekhanarach Paschim is that Tispiris is mutter up to Shavu Shechalbay. So if the other remembers last year, there was a whole tumult. Was there really a Shavu Shechalbay last year? Why? Because last year, the ninth of Av was Shabbos. But we didn't commemorate it on the ninth of Av, we commemorated it on Sunday. So is that we called Shavu Shechalbay? Or is that week not called Shavu Shechabah? Do you go by what's the Etzem Yoim, the day of Tishabov, Or do you go by the Etzem day that we're knowing Tishabov? We spoke about it last year, about whether or not there was a Shavu Shechabah for Svaidim. This year it's not Negea, there's definitely a Shavu Shechabah for Svaidim. So Svaidim, the Issa Tispayers for them only starts the week of Tishabov. For us, it starts already last night. And we spoke about this, uh, what was it, Sunday night. When does the three weeks start? So we said, where Moshe has his tshuva, right? So of course, every year someone always calls me right after Shkia. Can I get a haircut after Shkia? Every year someone has that shot. So the answer is really not. Most Achreinim hold no, that the Dine Avela start right after Shkia. If Moshe was Mekel, that was when Moshe's Pshak, in three tshuvas, one was a wedding and one was Tespiris, and Rav Moshe was Mekel, so many say, no, could I listen to Mechal Rav Moshe, B'Sha'as HaTchak, if it's B'Sha'as HaTchak, the guy's here is so long already, he doesn't know what to do. One year a guy called me up, he told me, he poshed holds the chatzitz of his tefillin. That's how, that's how long his hair is. And I looked at the guy and said, you want a haircut. A different story, because you want a haircut. It doesn't count as a chatzitza for you. But the uh, these shadows come up. So Tispiris is also, for us, Bein Tispiris, Hayroish Bein Tispiris, Hazaki. While for Svaidim, it's Taka Mutter, up to Shavuot Shechalba. So it's Taka, a whole discussion in Achreinim. What about Ashkenazim and Svaidim that live together? Let's say you have Ashkenazim and Svaidim in the same camp. Ashkenazim and Svaidim in the same yeshiva. 
So are they allowed? Are the Svarim allowed to shave? And the Ashkenazim are not allowed to shave. What's the problem? Because we know there's a din called Lois is going to do. There's an Isser, Gemara and Yavamas discuss it at length. Aitas Agudas Agudas. We're not allowed to have different groups of Jews doing different things. So the Shailu is, would that be considered Agudas Agudas if you have half the camp shaving and half the camp not shaving? Well, what's the story? So again, it's a big sugya, Agudas Agudas. Machloikis are buying Rava and Yavamas. When is it Agudas Agudas? Is it two Batidin and Bir Achas? Two Batidin and Mishteya? You're the answer, Shailu, Machloikis, Mishainim, had a Paskin. But the consensus of most Kedai Lachreinim is it's not a problem. Svarim and Ashkenazim can coexist with the Tispiris. Svarim will shave and Ashkenazim won't shave and everyone will be okay. That's the way Rabbi Vajra Taka Paskins. In the Tshuva, he Taka Paskins like that way, but he writes, V'hamach mitove lebrocha. The Svaradish guy goes to an Ashkenazi camp, a school. It's, it's, it's not terrible if he decides not to shave. I saw quoted B'Shem B'Liyashiv that he also held not to. He also had it better for them not to shave. But the consensus of Roy Vachroinim, they held not like that. They held it's not a good Agudois for a lot of reasons, and therefore it's mutter for Svaradim to shave and Ashkenazim not to shave, and we can all live in harmony. The big Shiloh, which we're not going to get to tonight, maybe we'll talk about it next week, is there really a heter to shave for Kavit Shabbos? What about Kavit Shabbos? Is there a heter to shave during uh, Svira for Kavit Shabbos? But we'll, put, we'll have to talk about that maybe next week. I mean, it's the same Shiloh for Svira also. But it's Tali and Amagin Avram. We'll have to get to that conversation. So for those who are waiting for this Friday, hold off one more Friday. What are other major differences between Ashkenazim and Sfarim is weddings. Chasinus, Shukhanach brings down, we don't make Chasinus starting from Rosh Chodesh. Even then, Beis Yosef points out, even that is not Miyakaradin. That's only because it's a bad mazel. It's not Etzim because it's uh, a terrible time to make a Chasana, but it's because Ram Mazlei. And Ashkenazim, we become firmer than that. We stopped Chasnas already from Shavas Abitamas. So that's already a little bit of a bigger Chiddush. Why? Not taking a haircut, no, fine. So you'll grow your beard a little longer. But not getting married is a mitzvah. You're being Mavato people from doing mitzvahs. You're either Mavato from the mitzvah of Kedushin, Kim Perivirivya. What gives you the right to do such a thing? So it's talking interesting. The Mishtaburu writes on this din of the Ramah that we don't make Chasnas. So the Shiloh is, what about last night? Can you make a chasana? That was Ramosh's tshuva. Ramosh's famous tshuva in Arachayim was talking about making a chasana the night before Sphere begins. So Ramosh is moderate, but Rabbi Ephraim Greenblatt says that when he asked Ramosh the same Shiloh, Ramosh told him, try to make sure that everything happens, at least start the chasana, have the kedushin and everything before Shkir. Meaning it's really a day chasana that got schlepped into the night. Don't start the chasana at 8 o'clock at night. Start it really at uh, 6 o'clock. And then, no, the chasana will go over into, into Laila. That's what Rabbi Frank Greenblatt said, Rabbi Moshe told him. But the Mishtabura says, what happens if the couple is never Mekayim Perivirivi yet? Which is all like 99.9% of our couples today that get married have not had children yet. So are they allowed to get married during the three weeks? So the Mishtabura quotes from the Derech HaChaim, from the Nesivas, the Nesivas says, no, you can't. So the Mishtabura and the Shartzin is very bothered. Who told him this? How does he know that? Maybe, Taka, the whole din of not getting married is only for those people that were already kind Perivirivya. Second marriages. Oh, but first marriages, I've had a lot to get married during the three weeks. So the Mishnah is very bothered who told the Derech HaChaim this Chiddush. He says, and from the Shulchan Aruch, you have no Raya. Now, Lechari, you have the biggest Raya. From the fact that the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramad doesn't say anything, that's the biggest Raya. He was not Mechalit. Now, what is interesting is, if you take a look in Simen Tov Kuf Ayin Hei, in Hilchas Tainis, there the Mechabit talks about fast days, that they used to have fast days when there were Tzaras and Kalah Yisrael. And it says over there, if, if they did a whole bunch of rounds of fasting, it doesn't work. So then they stopped Chasanas, only for people that weren't Mekayim Periviriviv. It says like that in Shulchan Only for people that weren't Mekayim Periviriviv. So 
So why when it comes to this, this time period, why are we, everyone's not allowed to make chasanas. Why aren't we more limiting to only those that uh, have not yet been Mekai in Perivirivya? Okay, it's a good kasha. Amaisa, we paskin, that even young couples that never had children are also not allowed to get married during this period of time. The Aruch HaShulchan has an interesting line, and it might be very telling of the time when he lived. The Aruch HaShulchan writes that if there's a hechrich for the wedding, then you're allowed to get married during the three weeks. Now what's the hechrich to get married? So someone told me, sometimes you could save someone maybe from getting off, get dragged off to war if he's married or whatever it is. Or maybe there's other hechreichim for why you need to get married. You have documents and legal work, uh, immigration purposes, I don't know. Green card, I don't know. But the Archashokhan Paskins, if there's a hechrich, there's a good reason why you need to get married. The Archashokhan Paskins, you are allowed to get married. So, so Svaradim have no problems making chasnam a straight to the So I asked around. I asked Nudes, does anyone know of a Svaradish chasnam that's taking place? Punk, they didn't know any, but Lechayrit's mutter. Bavadji writes, even though some Svaradim were machmi, they say that in Morocco and the Temanim, they were talking machmi not to make chasnam already, starting from Shivas and Batamas. Ben Ishchai quotes such a practice. But Bavadji writes, that's not our practice. We follow what it says in Shochanarch. Shochanarch says it's mutter. So the Shiloh comes up, let's say you get invited to a Svaradish chasnam. Are you allowed to go? So the answer is, yeah, you are allowed to go. As long as the Svaradim are making the chasana, when they're allowed to make the chasana, then you are allowed to go to the chasana. The one thing that we have to mention that we don't have time to get into, and definitely don't want to keep everyone tonight, is that the one thing Svaradim do have during this period of time is they can't listen to music. Why? Because the whole Isra to listen to music is based on a Magan Avram. The Magan Avram says, Rikud is also. Magan Avram says, Rikud is also during the three weeks. Rabbi Vajir writes in the Tshuva that Svaradim don't disagree with this. So even Svaradim are not allowed to dance and listen to music, but they're allowed to go to a chasana and dance at the chasana. They just can't dance at home. So that's the one thing that Svaradim and Ashkenazim both share. They both carry the Isra of Rikud, starting from Shiva Asabatamas, even though they have no other restrictions during this period of time.